Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. Well, we are in a collection of talks titled Blessed Blank Ever. Last week I talked about lasting love, best lasting love ever. Um, we, um, and then this week uh, we're talking specifically about dating. Um, and, and everyone's, all the married people are going, oh my goodness, we're going to talk about dating. Yes, we're going to talk about dating. Dating doesn't stop when you say I do. Okay, dating actually begins when you say I do. So we'll get to that point. See, you already are ready. Y'all are going where I'm going. Uh, and then I, I want to encourage you, next week we're talking about sex. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And I believe that what we need to start doing as a church and really is we need to change the narrative of the idea of relationships. So many people in our world, we're looking towards the world to understand the idea and the concept of relationships. And that is not ideal way. What we're going to do is we want to look at the way God has designed relationships and we want to change the narrative of how, um, of really how relationships are taking place. And we can do that by this book we, um, that, that is so amazing. And I want to encourage you, make sure that you are here next week. You're already here this week, so you've gotten this far. Next week, you should probably be here as well. And I would encourage you to invite a friend um, because I, I just really believe that, that the church needs to address this idea of sexual. Uh, so often we, um, we're, you know, the church has put its head in the sand for so long. <laughs> and that's not a good thing to do because what you don't address, and this goes for your personal life too, what you aren't willing to address um, probably won't change. You know, if you want to address some things in your life, you'll see some change in your life. But if you're not willing to actually address them, it probably won't change. Uh, and so I believe that we're going to reestablish the position and we're going to move forward. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, it'll also be on the screens. Genesis 2.18. It's an awesome scripture. Uh, Genesis 2.18. Uh, it'll be the foundation for this talk that I'm going to talk about with dating. Uh, I have some funny stories. I have some fun stories. It's a good day to be in the house. Um, so it says, Genesis 2.18, many of you have heard this scripture before. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Every man says, amen. <laughs> Hello. I, uh, if, if you don't say amen there, fellas, you're going to have some stuff to pay later. So uh, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So today the title of my message is Dating Done Right. Dating done right. Let's pray. This will be a long prayer. Jesus, be with us. Thank you for night to shine. Amen. Amen. Very Pentecostal. If you're really hungry, you should just pray like that. Jesus, be with this food. Nourish it. Amen. You know, just, it, it doesn't matter. It's not about the length of your prayers. It's about the strength of your prayers. I got Jesus. I, I, got, I got some fun stuff here. Dating done right. How many remember your first date? Or maybe a compilation of dates, or maybe, uh, I remember, sorry, I'm a little hoarse. I'm still uh, getting over from uh, Friday night. Uh, if you heard me, I was up here. Um, you've never seen me dance like you see me dance at Night to Shine. So next year, if you didn't volunteer this year, just volunteer next year, just so you can see me dance. It's hilarious. Uh, a lot of fist pumping. Um, anyways, but uh, first dates. I've had some weird first dates. Um, 
One of my first dates, I remember I was in high school. This is before I met Katie. Uh, and <laughs> it's such a weird first date because, or it's, it was actually a compilation of dates. Uh, I was set up as... Uh, on a blind date because I was the good Christian boy that the public school girls, uh, they were like, I'm sick of these public school guys. Let's go out with the good Christian boy. So my friends in high school would set me up with these girls. And this one girl uh, went to a local high school and I was like, okay, whatever. And so uh, we went on this first date and um, all of a sudden I saw her kind of like, like kind of acting a little shady. And so I was like, this is a little weird. Then I went on a second date with her. Uh, it was, she was normal conversationalist, but kind of weird. And then about five dates into it, I went in and I, and I noticed her doing something kind of odd. And I was like, what are, what are you doing? And she literally, this is a compilation of about five dates. Hopefully she's not watching Facebook Live. But she was stealing stuff every date we were on. I mean, honestly, she was taking stuff, every silverware, a Splenda packet, um, um, a cup from Red Robin. I mean, weird stuff. And I was like, why are you doing that? She was like, to remember every date we've been on. I'm like, see ya. See ya. I'm done with that. That's not going to work. So I've had a, a kind of an interesting collection of first dates. I remember uh, when I first saw Katie. Um, yeah, Hello. We're going to talk sex next week, guys. Just hold with me. But uh, Katie, like I first saw Katie uh, in college, and it was awesome. She was 17. I was 19. Um, and I first saw her in a college class, and I was like, hmm, I see her. I like her. Just what I see, I like. So probably her personality could be pretty good, too. And I just was like, I'm going to talk to her. And we were at college, and it was really hard to, like, she was not at college yet. She was still in high school. Don't judge me, people. Uh, she was still in high school. She was visiting the college that I attended. And I saw her from a distance, and I'm like, i got to find a way to talk to her. And I tried to enter, and I'm not really that smooth. <laughs> um, especially when I saw her, I was just, my breath was taken away. I just couldn't even say, uh, that's not, that's total truth. She still takes my breath away fellas you need to learn some things right now but like literally I'm sitting there oh and by the way just reminder fellas it's Valentine's Day this week so make sure this is your reminder now so you don't go on on you know the 14th and you're like I didn't buy anything here's your reminder put a reminder in your phone anyways I met Katie and I see her and I'm like I gotta talk to her and I'm not really smooth so I'm not one of those guys that like had lines like you know like oh did you fall from heaven you know what I mean like I wasn't a weird guy like that and I just was like how can I talk to her and so I'm trying to find a, a way to just like intersect our paths. And uh, when I tell you I'm not very smooth, I'm not. Um, she walked by me, and I, I, I literally, we were, in the, we were in the dining hall, and every time she'd kind of get up, I'd get up. <laughs> you know, I kind of had a plan. I was strategic about it, and I was trying to make sure we crossed. So she'd go up to get a drink at the, you know, at the soda fountain. I'd be like, hey. <laughs> you know, like I'd try. And this one time she put her tray away, and I was, try I was like, think of something smooth. You know how you coach yourself up. You're like, think of something smooth. Think of something smooth. And literally, I'm, uh, she's putting her tray away. And, I'm, and I make sure the timing is, is when she turns, I, we like catch eyes. I'm like thinking like we're in the airport and it's going to be this beautiful thing. And she turns and looks at me. And I'm just kind of captivated by her beauty. And I, I couldn't get anything out. But hi. That was it. Right? That was it. I was just like, hi. And this is the thing. I went out and I tried, and finally I, I, I got up enough courage to con continue to talk to her, and we continued to talk and talk, and then I, I actually, since I went to a Christian college, uh, we couldn't have girls go to our dorms, uh, that's kind of weird, um, and so we had to sit in the lounge, and so I talked to her for like an hour and a half, and I invited her on our first date. 
However, she declined me to go have family time. What 17-year-old girl has family time with her dad? She thought I was, she thought I was creepy, so, uh, but I persisted, and I um, ended up getting the girl. But that's the thing, is I was continually treating her right, and I, I worked hard, but that date we had was amazing. That first date, we'll tell that in a later story. But, but really, this whole idea of dating, that's just a funny story to set it up, but, but this idea of dating is God has given us unique design and a pattern for dating. And if you're, if you're married in the house, you can still apply this. If you're single in the house, if you're single in this house, you can still apply this. I don't believe that this is just about dating. I believe that this is about um, a way that God has designed you. And so if you would, would you look for, at a different perspective as I set this up today? And, and what I really have, have found is that dating is something that we have not we, we have allowed our culture to influence our dating in regards to how the church views dating. And I believe that we need to flip the script on that. And we as the church need to influence culture about dating. We need to influence the culture about different things that we are doing on a regular basis. And so I think that what, we, what the church is willing to ignore, we need to address as the church. As the big, I mean, like, I'm not talking about Trinity saying, I'm just talking about the big church, the big C church, the church globally. We need to address some of these things. That, that we're seeing in our world and we need to change some things. And I believe that we need to change some things about how we view love. I think we need to change some views on how we uh, view relationships. I think we need to change how we view sex. Because so many times the church isn't willing to even say that word in this context from a pulpit. We're, we're like, and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to learn about all of these things through a culture that has a skewed lens. We're trying to learn about sex, and we're going, oh, well, let me look at the movies to learn about sex. That can't be the design that God has for us. What we have to do is we have to open the manual about it. And I believe that, that, that unfortunately, since our churches won't talk about it, our culture is going to tell us about it. I mean, honestly, our churches won't talk about it, so the culture tells us about it. And so we're, then we wonder why the church has failed people. It's because we aren't willing to address things as a church. And so I believe that it's my mandate today and my calling today is to address some things that the church is w not willing to talk about, especially when it comes to dating. And I believe that, and if you, if you think that I'm wrong, uh, why is the divorce rate the same in the church as it is in the world? Honestly, Why? Because of the fact that we are looking to ideas and, and we're looking, that, you know there's, I think it's like two for every one book on Amazon that is about divorce more than dating, or I'm sorry, more than marriage. Two to one. Because more people are looking for ways out than ways in. And I believe that we need to have ways in and we need to have ways where we can connect with one another and we need to figure out how God designed dating for each and every one of us. And I believe that our churches, our churches should be affecting the culture, not the other way around. We shouldn't let the culture affect our church. And then you say, well, we have a black ceiling. You have haze. Hey, guys, that's not a big deal. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about outside these four walls. The outside these four walls. We live here in this house one Sunday a, a, a week, but yet we are in connect groups and we are in community all the time. And if what we're talking about in here doesn't go out there, it means nothing. We have to take what we learn in here and apply it out there. So when people look at our relationships and they see that we're struggling as the church and we can't even be happy with our spouse or we can't even be happy with our husband or our wife, what ends up happening now all of a sudden, what we, we, they look at that and they go, oh, what's wrong with you people? You believe in Jesus, but yet you can't even get along. 
We have to be people that change the game as far as a church, the big church. And so our job is to really start at home. I can't go and affect your marriage. I need to make sure that I'm working on mine. I can't go. I can help with you with your kids, but also I need to work on loving my children. And I believe that that's why connect groups are so important. Because you're willing to take the mask off. You're willing to get authentic and real in front of other people. And what happens is, is we have connect groups that go for 10 weeks. We're in week three of connect groups. I love our connect groups because we get to be honest. And you know what? Like the men's group, this is a sermon-based group. So we're going to take what we learn here and we are going to talk about it on Tuesday night as men. We're going to take off the mask and we're going to say what we do right, what we do wrong, and we're going to learn from it because I'm not satisfied with where my marriage is. I want to improve it because I'm still dating my wife. I want to go out on a date with her tonight. My mother's in town, so we're going to go out tonight because I'm going to still date. I'm I'm going to make sure that I make that a priority and I'm going to establish it in my own life so that I can affect effect culture around us. So we have, it starts at home with us. And so really to get to grow, you have to be a little bit vulnerable. I mean, I like to work out. Um, I love burpees. Um, you might think that's weird. You're right, it is. It's very weird. My wife is like, oh, that's weird. But what I, ha- I have to do is I have to, in order for me to grow in my physical fitness, I actually have to do something, okay? I have to address it. So in order for me to grow in my, in my, uh, the, the, my fitness level, I have to add a little bit more weight from time to time, right? And in order for us to grow in our relationships, we have to put a little bit more pressure on that relationship in order for it to grow. How are diamonds created? By pressure. They're created by pressure. And when pressure is in, hits that coal, all of a sudden a diamond appears. So your relationship, sometimes you have to apply, not pressure in the negative, but what you have to do is you have to put some focus on it. Amen? You got to get vulnerable. And so I, I truly believe that dating doesn't end at I do. It only begins. Um, you have to be intentional because kids get in the way. Work gets in the way. Remember last week I told you in the book of Song of Solomon, all of, there's not one time that where children are mentioned or work is mentioned in all of Song of Solomon. It's all about the relationship as, as, as husband and wife, and it's about the relationship with friends and how they communicate inside this. And so um, I believe that you have to use, utilize dating, and it takes time, it takes effort, it takes intentionality, but when you do it, it's amazing, especially when you do it right. And so I want to give you four simple topics, four simple, I'm sorry, four simple thoughts on this, uh, on this idea. And number one, it's called, number one, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes, because note takers are? Come on, you're with me still. It means you're listening to me, or I just repeat it too many times, and you, anyways. Uh, but number one, design. Design. And this is where I'm talking about, it's not just dating, you can apply this in a variety of different ways. God has designed each of us, right? We're fearfully and wonderfully made. He's designed each of us with unique qualities. I'm not like Katie. Katie's not like me. I'm not like Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob's not like me. I'm not like you. That's the beautiful thing about how God has designed us, that we're all different, but yet made in his image, right? And and I think that, that really God has outlined in the Bible how we should view relationships. And I believe that when you put his principles into practice, they work, right? When you put his principles into practice, they really, truly work. And God has really designed us to reap the benefits of something known as the fruits of the Spirit, right? 
like you want the fruits of the Spirit. Don't we all want the fruits of the Spirit? And when you believe in Jesus, what happens is you want to have the fruits of the Spirit. That doesn't mean that you're going to not have problems, okay? I, honestly, if you had a problem, raise your hand. Yeah, we've all had problems, okay? But just because you believe in Jesus doesn't mean you're not going to have a problem. But you, you, you address it differently. And so we all want these things in, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We want love, right? We're all, we all have an innate ability and we want love. We desire love. We all want joy, right? Do you want to be joyful? How many met a grumpy person? They are not fun to be around, right? <laughs> Let's just be real. Hopefully you're not that person. Anyways, uh, uh, peace. We all want peace. We all want forbearance. We want kindness. We want goodness. We want faithfulness. We want gentleness. We want self-control. And I have this little thought, and you, many of you have seen it before. If you know God, if you have no God, you have no peace. If you know God, then you know peace. And the thing is, is that you want peace in your relationship, you better know God. K-N-O-W. If you don't allow God in your relationship because He designed you, God designed you, detailed you, DNA strand you, knows every hair on your head, you. And when you don't know Him, you can't expect to know peace. You have to know God in order to know peace. And I believe that's for every one of those things. When you know God, you know love. When you, don't, when you withhold love, you, don't, you, you, you can't comprehend love. And I think that so often we allow God in certain areas of our life when He designed us to be in every part of our life. We wonder why we have so many problems, honestly, but we don't allow Him into certain areas, like financially. You know, oh, you can talk about anything. Don't talk about my money. God, you can go into every, God, search me. Come into every part of my life. But you know what? Work is off the table. God, you can come anywhere you want. Anywhere. Oh, no, but relationship, you can't come between my, my husband and my, or my, my wife. You can't come in, in there. Well, you won't have peace if God's not in all of it. Because all, you, you will all of a sudden have a challenge in, in, in that area and it will create a slippery slope because God designed you, each and every one of you. And when you know your creator, the created lives differently. I'm preaching way better than you're responding today. You're really quiet. But, but see, you, you have to know God and, and, and you have to have a plan. And you have to, and God created you and he designed you. And Katie and I, we uh, did an addition onto our home. Okay? And when we did an addition, not here, it was in Washington. House prices are too ridiculous here to even own. Hello. Um, and the church said, amen. Uh, those of you that own, God bless you. Uh, you can go and put it in your will to the church. And we'll, I mean, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All fun. Um, but, uh, but Katie and I did an addition to our home. And we found out we were pregnant with Carter, and we lived in a 632-square-foot house. Whew. We were, like, on top of each other. Maybe that's the reason we had Carter. Anyways, uh, so um, I told you we're talking about sex. Hello. Um, and so I'm going to hear about that later. Good thing mom's in town. Hello. Um, but one thing, one thing I will say is that, is that within that, um, you have to create a plan. You have to design your home. And I couldn't go and all of a sudden create a design for my home and shift that design midway through. 
And I think that oftentimes, because what would happen at the end of the home? It might, you know, if I, if I changed the foundation and I made it a little smaller, but when I, go, when I would go to put the walls up, they wouldn't fit, right? And I think oftentimes God has designed us specific and he has given us a roadmap, but what we have done is we have added to his plan and we wonder why the design has failed because we're adding our things to his plan. And what we need to do is we need to look at his plan and we need to understand his design for our relationships and our marriages and our friendships even. And we need to look at his design first and not add anything to it. We need to subtract some things from it. And I believe that, that, that really you can't know truly someone else until you know who created you. It's hard for me to really know Katie if I don't know who God is in my own life. I don't believe it's one half and one half makes a whole. I believe that I have to become whole with my creator so that I can understand the created that I'm going to love as well. Because if I don't love God the way that God has designed me to love him, I can never love anything else around me and do it effectively. Amen? Amen. Okay. Next thought. You still with me? Good. Number two, desire. uh, Design and then desire. Desire. Um, One thing the church failed to do is they failed to talk about desire. (laughs) You know, I remember growing up in the 90s, uh, and growing up in the 90s, you know, like being a virgin until you're married was a a big deal, and I still think it's a a huge deal. But one thing I think the church did to me as a church kid was it said, you have to push your desire down. You have to squelch your desire. When really, who put the desire in me? God. God. God put the desire in me to go and desire a woman, right? God put my wife a desire in her to desire a man, to desire me. Hello. And the thing is, <laughs> is that what we have done as the church is what we've said, no, you can't have desire. Ugh. Squelch it. When really what we're doing is we're, putting, we're pr- suppressing the thing that God put inside of us. And see, I, the thing is, is, I'm not saying you go and you, you, you give in to all those desires. Hey, if you want, you know, I mean, like, I, I want a smaller waistline, so I'm not going to give in the desire of a piece of cake. Right? You know, Paul says everything is, benef- or everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So you can have whatever you want. However, however... It's not always going to be good for you. So my desire that's inside of me, if I go and I act on it all the time, it's probably not going to be good for me, right? So it doesn't mean that I suppress my desire or, or suppress my desire. It means that I take control of it. It means no from time to time, right? And I believe that, that, that you have to be mindful about what you feed because if you feed the wrong thing, it'll eventually grow. It starts with one decision, one decision. And God designed marriage. God designed for a man and woman. We read it right here. Not even three chapters in. We're two chapters into the Bible. The Lord God said it is not good for man to be alone. The desire was there, right? When God created man, the desire was there. And it's still there, but we've allowed culture to infuse how our desire is. Um, And what we need to be is we need to be mindful about that. But 1 Corinthians 7, 9 says it like this. God designed marriage. It says, but if they cannot control themselves, this is Paul talking to the church of Corinth, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. It's better to marry than burn with passion. And so God has designed us to desire a woman or desire a man in a heterosexual context. 
He has designed us to do that. And it's better to marry a person than to, or marry uh, your uh, husband or a wife than to go and have this passion and you constantly are act on passion. And really in the, and so I lay it like that, I lay it out like that because in the confines of marriage, desire is not wrong. Honestly. In the confines of marriage, desire is not wrong. So what the world told me, and even what the church from time to time told me, is to squelch your desire. But then I get into a marriage, and all of a sudden I've been told that these things and these feelings are wrong. They're wrong. They, you, you, you're, you're wrong for having these feelings. When God put the feelings inside me, and so now I'm like, ooh, the feelings are wrong. Now I'm in this marriage. It's great, but the feelings are wrong. Honestly. And what we need to do is we need to understand that I don't feed all of my desires. That just because I desire a piece of cake doesn't mean that that's a good thing. Pizza, I love pizza, but me going to round table every day is not going to be a good situation for my waistline. Okay, so having sex constantly with the wrong person, oh, but you, I'm single. I'm single. You, don't, you have no idea. I have desires. Oh, you have no, you're right. We all do. It's controlling the desire that God put inside of your life and, and putting that energy into a right way, a good context, what God designed. And so when I take the design out of context, God doesn't say, you have this desire and I, I want you to squelch it till marriage. No, what he's saying is he's, he's saying control your appetite now. Because when you get into marriage, the desire that you controlled there, it gets easier because you know what? I'm going to be transparent. When I was 13 years old, I made a decision to wait until marriage. 13. You can't tell me that age 15, it's not hard. Age 17, it's not hard. I was 24 when I married my wife. So, but you know what's beneficial? I said no here. I learned how to control it here. And every step of the way, was it hard? Yes, but you know what? Is it worth it? Way worth it. Because I said no here. I didn't squelch the desire and say, oh, I can't have, no, no. I understood what God put inside me. So I knew that when I met my bride, that it was going to be one of the greatest experiences of my life because of the fact that I waited here. I, put, I went and I took my flesh and I said, I, I'm, I'm going to push down my flesh, not because it's wrong, but because it's not right for me now. And there's so many things that are not right for us now that we're giving into. That it's not the desire or the design that God has created for us. The desire is not wrong. What's wrong is what, when we act upon that desire. And one thing I will say is before Paul wrote those uh, fruits of the Spirit, he had this other thought in Galatians 5.19. He said the acts of the flesh because when what we do is we focus on, if we want the, the fruits of the Spirit, we can't focus on the flesh. Right? And so before Paul wrote that in Galatians, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. I think he's probably got everyone this far. Right? <laughs> if he didn't get you the first few, he's definitely got you now. Selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and even or an envy, uh, drunkenness, or, or drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Friends, sexual, uh, sexual immorality outside the confines of marriage is not good. Because I believe that boundaries equal blessing. Amen. When you put boundaries in a certain parameter, it will equal blessing in the long term.
But what you have to do is you have to put boundaries. There's a reason why a football field has boundaries. It's so they can play the game with inside the confines of the game. If you just let people run everywhere, what happens? It's no longer a game. Honestly. If I hit a golf ball out of bounds, guess what? I'm penalized for that. There's a reason for that penalty, but so much, we, can, we think that, that there's no boundaries. Guys, I'm not saying that there's not grace, and I'm not saying that we live religiously like we're, we have to fit into a box. What I'm saying is we're all figuring it out together, right? We're all doing this together. We're, it's a process of understanding. It's a process. The things that I struggle with at 17 aren't the things I struggle with at 37, Right? So the fact of the matter is, is that I'm still learning this book and I'm still walking it out and each and every one of us are doing that as well. So boundaries equal blessing. Number three, decline. This will hit some people. Decline the flesh. Decline the invitation. Decline immorality. See, what I told you is I'm not going to candy coat this stuff. I'm going to be real, right? Would you rather have me be fake? No. no. You want me to be real? Decline immorality. When we work God's principles, they work. And we wonder why our life is in shambles when we don't work God's principles. You know, you wonder why your financial situation's out of whack. Well, work God's principles. Do it, do it His way. You've tried it on your own, right? Did it work? No. Okay. Relationships. You've, have you tried them on your own? Yeah, they probably, you probably added stuff to it and it probably wasn't good. You know, <laughs> you, you, you tried some other things. But you need to decline some things. Sorry, I'm getting a little hoarse. It's good. You're going to have to help me talk back to me. Come on, I got it. I got it. When we work God's principles, they work. And that means you need to decline some things. You need to say no. Say no to some things. You know, just like I said before, you need to decline a, a piece of the cake for a smaller waistline. You need to decline that app on your phone that all of a sudden it's leading you down to temptation. You need to decline that text message. It's okay not to respond. Certain people... You probably should respond to, but you know if it's going to lead you down a wrong path, don't go there. Decline it. Say no. You know, like when we were kids, we had dare, say no to drugs. You know, drug abuse resi resistance awareness or something like that. Okay, there it is. I knew Clinton would correct me on it. <laughs> Education. The fact of the matter is, is you need to decline. I learned to decline and say no to drugs. There are things that we need to decline in our culture. We need to say no to. Maybe you're watching something on Netflix and you just feel it's wrong in your spirit. Decline it. Turn it off. You have the power to do so. You have a, the power to say no to that person. You have the power to say no, that, 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 that it's wrong. If you, know, if you know in your spirit you're doing something wrong, don't do it. And if there's any doubt, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Proverbs 1.10 says it like this. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. And really what I would tell you is what you're not willing to decline, you're probably not willing to address. We need to be willing to decline some things. And I'm going to say this to you. Men, I'm going to just speak to the men. When it's late at night and it's 11 p.m. and you have that screen there, you need to decline that. Amen. You need to, you know, what the church isn't willing to address. Well, I'm going to address it. There's a porn problem in our world because we have computers in the palm of our hand. Yeah. And all you have to do is search one thing and it all goes out the window. Friends, you got, men, you got to decline something. This is why connect groups are so important. I've sat with countless men that have sat down with me face to face and said, you know what, I'm addicted to porn. And I said, well, let's talk about that. 
I don't, necess- I don't struggle with that problem. But you know what? That's not to cast judgment. That's saying, hey, let's get through this together. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. Let's sit down across from the table and let's talk. Because every time you have the urge, we're going to come together. And I want you to text me. And I'm going to say, no, we're going to be in this together. Because it matters about community. We're in unity when we're in community. I'm not judging anybody. But the fact of the matter is, is man, you need to say no to those devices at times. Maybe you should just go old school and get a flip phone because it's too big of an issue in your life. It's okay to do it. If it's going to make you great and it's going to make you closer to God, do it. Women, I'm going to talk to you now. Are you ready? Ladies, come on. Let me hear you. Good. Good. Um. The per, that you're try, you know, like the, the thing is, is, is ladies, and I'm just going to be candid and honest, um, the attention that that person gives you, the way you feel, probably the affection that he gives you, and you know it's wrong, you probably should decline it. You probably should just say no. Because although it makes you feel good in the moment, what happens is what it's doing is it's dividing relationships, it's dividing friendships, it's dividing uh, the opportunity for you to really come close to God. And sometimes we just need to decline some things. In all honesty, we just need to say no. Ladies, you have to decline yourself. And that's what I'm saying. Or that You have to decline the invitations. That's why I'm saying it was so good for me to decline here even though like a cruise boat, remember I told you to get to the, to get to the de- destination, I'm going to have to shift it two degrees and I'm going to eventually get there. But the thing is, I had to decline at 13 years old and say, you know what, I'm going to wait till I'm married. And then it went, all of a sudden those decisions, I declined them, I declined them, I declined them. I get to marriage and it's great because I declined them here because I'm not bringing the baggage that I'm carrying back here of if I didn't have made those, uh, if I didn't, if I would have said yes and I would have accepted those invitations. Lastly, Lastly, delight. 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 Design, desire, decline, delight. How many have gotten something out of this message thus far? Doesn't matter if you're married or single. Dating's for everybody uh, in the right context. But Proverbs 10.24, delight. What the wicked dread will overtake them. What the righteous desire will be granted. What the righteous desire will be granted. Granted, God takes delight in who you are because God created you. He takes delight in his creation. And he will reward you when you're faithful, when you, when you do those things because he's designed you. He's designed you specifically. He's put that desire in you. And when you decline some of those things, he will give you the, deli- the, the, the desires of your heart when you delight in him. And when you put him first. Whenever you, you put God first, he's going to delight in who you are. And when you delight in God's principles, when you delight in his principles, when you say no when you should, all of a sudden, you will delight in God's promises. Because I believe that when we delight in his principles, that we will delight in his promises. Because his promises are good. His promises that we're, we're the head and not the tail, right? His promises is that we're not going to break down, but we're going to break through. Because if we lean into him in a new level, we get to understand him in a new dimension. And what he will do is one thing I found in faith is that when I step out in faith and I delight in who God is, all of a sudden he breaks the mold a little more. And he goes and and, and, and like I told you guys, Katie and I have given more this year than we've ever have in our life to this church. We've stretched more. And what I've seen God do is he's opened up doors like I've never even seen or comprehended that I didn't even know I could, I could go there, right? Because all of a sudden, I'm delighting in who he is. 
And when I delight in who he is, and you know what? When I delight in who he is in my marriage, all of a sudden, my marriage is different. When I delight in my children, when I make, chil- when I make God my priority with my children, guess what? All of a sudden, I see my kids talking about how great God is. And when you delight in God's principles, you will delight in his promises. And we need to delight, delight in God. And when we read the scripture, God will give us the desires of your heart. He will only give the, you the desires of your, of your heart if you're willing to delight in him first. Because when you delight in him, he will delight in you. Psalm 145, 18 and 19 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. Fear him doesn't mean be scared. Fear him means respect. I don't fear the police, I respect the police because of the job and the title. I don't, I, my mother's sitting here, I don't, I'm not scared of my mom, but I respect her because she's my mom. It does say children obey your parents. If you're a young person in here, you need to listen. Children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. And she is my authority, therefore I respect her as my mother. I respect my mother, I, I respect my bride because of who she is. And so I decline things because of who she is and so that God can, uh, so that I can delight in God and I can fear him in a greater way. And it says he fulfills the dire desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. You see, when you seek God, you're going to see God move. Honestly, I've never had a time where I've sought God out and I've never seen him move. I've never, I've never not seen him move. When I, it takes some time. Yeah. It takes some time. The car that I'm driving now took three years of prayer. Honestly. Three years. Takes time. Takes effort. Takes energy. Takes faithfulness. You want to see a great marriage take place? Be faithful. Right. Be faithful. When it's hard. When they annoy you. <laughs> when it's her time of the month. Honestly, be faithful. God designed you together for a reason. Be faithful. Be faithful when you're by yourself. It's hard. That's why community is so important. You can lean on each other. I can lean on Pastor Bob when I need encouragement. And I say, Pastor Bob, I'm discouraged. I've done it so many times. I'm not preaching something that I wouldn't practice. we got to do this thing together. Amen? Amen? If you would, bow your head and close your eyes.